Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We are blessed people of God. I said we are blessed people of God. And I want to encourage you through the word of God this morning, if you'd open up to Hebrews chapter 13, I want to remind you that uh, Wednesday we'll be here for a Thanksgiving gathering to give thanks to the Lord, but the following uh, three Wednesdays will be Zoom. We have new lessons out in the foyer. Ask you to only take those lessons if you're going to uh, connect with us on Zoom. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. I want to just speak to you for a few moments of time this morning. Confidence in a crisis. Confidence in a crisis. I believe that there is life-changing power in the word of Almighty God. God has a word for you this morning, something to minister life to you, something to minister encouragement and strength to your spiritual man. The people of God, the people of God, in this time, need to be strong. Daniel tells us that the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. The people who know their God. How do we get to know God? We get to know him through his word. God has chosen to reveal himself. Do you have any other way to find out about God? Think about it. Think about it. This is God's way. God Almighty has chosen to reveal himself through his word. We are blessed beyond measure to have the Bible, to have the scriptures in so many translations, so many versions. Uh, we have probably, some of you might have a dozen of Bibles in your home. Just encourage you, whether it's through an app, through a, the written copy, read and study and hear the word of God this morning. Amen? Are you ready to hear the word of God? We are facing a crisis that is unprecedented in our lifetime. And what I've found out about trials, tribulations, and crises is that if they're short-term, I can deal with it. But when something's prolonged and protracted, it takes on a whole new dimension. And that's what I believe we're, we're dealing with today. We're dealing with in our nation, in our world, is not just a, a short trial, but it's prolonged and protracted. Who would have thought that in March we would still be battling with this and not, you know, leveling off, but even spiking? It's just, it's beyond comprehension that it's going on eight months already. And um, I think we all know somebody that's been sick with COVID or somebody that's even passed away. And so we continue to pray for God's grace. But for you and I this morning, God wants us to have confidence in this hour. God wants us to be confident, people of confident. You know, it amazes me that there are people who, uh, they talk about confidence uh, after the crisis. Surely believe God, and, and they're like uh, Miriam, uh, praising God after the Red Sea was parted. But I want to be somebody that praises God and has confidence in the middle of the crisis, right here, right now. Amen? See, I want to talk to you about that kind of confidence in the heat of the battle, in the eye of the storm, 
in the midnight hour. God wants you to know and he wants you to experience a confidence in a crisis. In Hebrews chapter 13, I just love when things like this happen. I have been working on this message for a, a few days and I think it was yesterday or the day before on my phone, the notification from you Bible, you version, was this very verse description. I showed my wife and I said, isn't that cool just how God works? That, that random verse of scripture, if you will, comes up. So I believe this is a word for you today. I believe this is power for you, strength for you, grace for you in this hour. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Now this isn't the point of my message, but I do want to say with thanksgiving upon us, be grateful. Be grateful. You could find uh, really a, a, a hundred and one things to be grateful for if you take the time to do that. Don't feel entitled. Don't feel like you got everything coming to you. Don't feel like you're the only one that didn't get this or didn't get that. Be grateful. The Bible says, let your conduct be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, he himself, who said it? God. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, we as the people of God may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen? Yeah, the context of this particular passage of scripture is important. As every scripture that we read, we don't want to just take it out of the context and just, you know, apply any meaning to it. We want to look at the word in the context. Who was it written to? How did they understand it? What was meant back then? What does it mean to us? We know that all scripture... All scripture is inspired by God. Another version or the original language says is God breathe. All scripture, all scripture, Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God and is profitable. Profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for training in right living. How many of you want to live right? How many of you want to live right in a crazy world? How many of you want to live right in a world that's gone wrong? The Bible helps us to do that. So in the context, we're looking at uh, real people facing real problems, having a real crisis, but thank God they had a real God. And these are, the writer of Hebrews is one of the, the only books in the New Testament out of the um, 27 books that we don't know who the author is conclusively. All the other books would either have um, the apostle or, or the, the the writer's name, or there'll be some indication. Hebrews is the only one that we don't know, and scholars have uh, uh, conjectured that there's all different kinds of authors, from Barnabas to Luke to even Paul, but be that as it may, we don't know who it is. But we do know it's inspired by God, and we do know the context. We're dealing with Jewish people who were converted to Christianity. They had... Uh, been led to faith in Christ, become followers of Jesus, which led to intense, intense persecution. If you just flip over in your Bible 
to chapter 10, uh, we see a little bit uh, of what they were going through. And the writer says, but recall the former days. This is Hebrews 10, verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated or after you had a revelation of Christ, you endured a great struggle with suffering. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, partly while you became companions who were so treated. For you, you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. So they had their goods confiscated because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They, they, they uh, experienced reproach. They experienced uh, uh, being ostracized. They experienced such uh, intense, intense um, persecution for their faith. Now, you and I, I don't know what your persecution looks like, but I, I would venture to say it doesn't look like that. You know, I remember when I, I was witnessing to somebody, and you know, back uh, 30 years ago, uh, they might call you a name, you know, uh, if you were preaching about Jesus, uh, call you a Jesus freak, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm really, really offended. But, but it was used in derision. And I remember once someone telling me, what are you, a Jesus freak? And uh, the Holy Spirit gave me wisdom and a quick answer. And I said, yeah. I said, whose freak are you? <laughs> but that was the extent of, of our persecution. And maybe somebody might block you on social media or say something about you if you talk about God. And, and, and that could be hurtful. But, but they really, really went through it. They really suffered in, in some serious ways, physically, financially, uh, socially, really uh, went through it. And so the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to them, listen, I want you to, to, to understand that he himself, God, has said to you, in what you're going through, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And, and the writer is saying, I want you to be confident I want you to be bold. I want you to be able to say, the Lord is my helper. To have such a confidence, no matter what you are facing, what you're going through, to be able to say that as God's people, what an awesome declaration, what a powerful thing to stand firm, no matter what is going on. Hell could be uh, breathing down your neck. The devil could be attacking you, but you could say, the Lord is my helper. How are we able to say that? Because he has said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, in studying this passage of scripture, you, you know that the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, we have it translated into English. But the Greek language had so many more words uh, for descriptive purposes. And so we can translate a phrase or a word and use just one word. For instance, the word love, uh, you might have uh, different kinds of love, but it's always translated love in the Bible. But there are four kinds of love. There's uh, sexual love, uh, eros, uh, erotic. Uh, there's uh, brotherly love, uh, Philadelphia, uh, philos, uh, city of brotherly love. There's um, storge, and then there's agape. 
Agape is God's unconditional love. So, so when you read, you just see the word love, but, but in the Greek, in the original language, it's much richer and full. That's why, you know, you don't have to be a Greek scholar. I don't know Greek. I, I once knew the alphabet. Um, I need to brush up on it. Uh, but, but even if you have Greek studies, or there are uh, books to help you with simple word understanding, and, and that, that'll be helpful. But in this verse of scripture, what's interesting about this is that there are five negatives in that phrase. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Now in English, when you have a double negative, it usually means the opposite, right? But in the Greek, it adds to the emphasis. So, so what am I saying? That the, the real translation of this verse, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is no not you will I leave, nor not not you will I forsake. In other words, God was saying, I will never, never leave you. I will never, never, never forsake you. So there is this, this, this word imagery, this word picture of, of emphasis, God communicating to his people. Now, Kenneth uh, Wiest, a Greek scholar that um, I have one of his books from Bible school days that was kind of like the standard uh, for Greek um, vocabulary of the New Testament. And this is how he translates it. I will not, I will not cease to sustain you and uphold you. I will not, I will not, I will not let you down. Amen. And don't we need to hear that word today? Right where you live, right with what you are going through, God knows it. And, and we can confidently say, the Lord is going to help me. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It don't matter how bad things get. God is our help and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No, he will not. Over and over again, their emphasis to let us know. To declare in the most convincing language, the love, the care, the concern of God for us so that you and I this morning can know the certainty that it could minister to us a rock solid sense of confidence in our God you see I want to remind you today that these are the words of almighty God these are the words of the one who never changes the world changes people change we change, hopefully for the better. But everything changes in our world, and our lives. Things just change. But the word of God doesn't change. And you go down a few verses, and there's that famous verse, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So you could have a confidence in a crisis, a confidence that's based not upon yourselves, how, how good you're feeling, how strong you are, or, or, or how uh, you know, industrious you are. No, it's, it's based upon the character of God. I told you this story before, but when my children were like two or three years old in, in our second building on Vesey Street, um, I had a candy drawer. And I like to joke, I still have a candy drawer. But it's not for them, it's for me. But, but back then, when my kids were two and three years old, they knew that candy drawer. 
How many of you know kids with candy, all you have to do is show them one time. I mean, they can get through a maze <laughs> to get to it. But I remember it didn't matter who I was meeting with, if my door was closed, if my door was open, my, my children would rush in, not necessarily to greet me, to see me if they came after with my wife, but to get to the candy drawer. And you see, what was it? It was, it was a, a boldness and a confidence that they had to go straight to my office, straight to the drawer, didn't matter what was going on, and, and they had this confidence. Why? Because I'm their father. It, because it was based upon their relationship with me. And you see, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews 4.16, let us come confidently to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what is that telling us? It's, one translation says boldly. Another one says confidently. Because it's telling us based upon our relationship with God, through Jesus Christ, we can come into the very throne room of heaven. If we only got a revelation of that, if we only got a, an understanding of that, it would cause us to pray more. It would cause us to come with confidence to bring our needs to God. Talking about confidence in a crisis, you know the story of Peter one of the disciples in the storm on, on the Sea of Galilee. He's in a crisis. He's in a storm. And you know what? There are times when you're in a storm and I'm in a crisis. And, and just like with the disciples, Jesus was sleeping. And sometimes God can seem indifferent to us. God can seem so far away. And sometimes it seems like he's interested in other people, but not us. Had you ever felt like that? You could look at other people in the church and maybe see, well, their life looks all together. They got it all going on. And God, what about me? And see, for Peter, he's in the storm. But you've got to believe that God is with you. This morning, you've got to get a revelation that he's with you in your crisis. I will never leave you. I will never, never leave you. I will never, never forsake you, God says. You've got to believe his word, and his presence will be revealed in that situation. When you believe his word, God's presence is made real. You see, you and I have a choice to make in the crisis. Will we look to Jesus, or will we look to ourselves or the storm. You know, worry and anxiety are at an all-time high. But you know, that's been a, a problem from the very beginning of creation. Mankind has been plagued with worry and anxiety. The Greek word for worry means to pull apart at the seams. And that's what worry does in our minds and in our hearts. It pulls at us. It pulls at us. Worry, psychologists tell us, breeds nervous breakdowns and mental disorders. Worry robs life of its zest, crowds out creative thinking, and cripples the soul. A large part of misery comes not from the actual trouble, but from the anticipation of it. And that's what worry is. We are not, it's not the actual problem, but it's the anticipation of what's going to happen. God, deliver us from that. God, help us to live one day at a time. Someone said, worry is borrowed troubles from tomorrow. The scriptures tell us, fret not. That means fretting and worry is self-manufactured. 
The scriptures declare to us, command us, fret not. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. A lot of times we worry because we're more focused on self than God. See, when our eyes turn inward instead of upward, we suffer. What are we to do? We ought to boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He's my helper. That means I can cast my care on him because the scriptures say he cares for me. You know, there are, there are some worries that are unjustified and there are worries that are justified. And I think today more than ever, there are real issues that cause us grave concern. But in the midst of it all, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we cast our care upon the Lord. Have you ever seen uh, a dump truck carrying a load? It could be a load of debris. It could be a load of landfill. And you know what? That, that dumpster was not made to always carry that load. But the purpose of a dumpster is to take a load from point A and bring it to point B. And when it does that, it fulfills its purpose and it's good to go. You and I were never made to carry the burdens and the loads and the cares that we do carry. That's why the scriptures say, cast your care upon the Lord. When a dumpster is taken to the landfill or to a, a building project, what, what does the, the operator do? He presses a button or he pulls a lever and he just releases what's, what he's carrying. You see, if you and I could understand that, this morning we could push the button of faith. We can pull the lever of trust and let go of the things that we're carrying today. Because Jesus is our burden bearer. The scriptures tell us in that wonderful prophetic book of, of Isaiah, the, the, the prophecy of the suffering of Jesus 700 years beforehand, prophesying through the annals of history. Isaiah saw prophetically looking at the cross. He said this about Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He already carried it. So the question is, why are you and I carrying it? Cast your care upon the Lord. There are three loads that we all carry. We carry the past, the burdens of our past, maybe the sins, the mistakes, but Jesus paid it all. We carry the present, but God gives us grace for today, and we carry the future. But we have to understand, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. The Lord is my helper. Trust in Christ this morning. Worry is unnatural. How do I know it's unnatural? Because Jesus said, don't worry. He said this. It's unnatural because he said this to his disciples. Why do you worry? Look at the birds of the year. They don't, they don't toil. They don't, they all, but your heavenly father feeds them. Look at the lilies of the valley. Says, look how beautifully they're clothed. They don't worry about anything. Your heavenly Father takes care of them. And Jesus would say, if God 
the Father cares for the birds of the air, the lilies of the valley, how much more will he care for you this morning? Cast your care upon him. Don't carry that burden. Cast it upon the Lord. Trust in him. That doesn't mean we don't do our part. We're still called to be industrious. However, when we say, Lord, help me, it means that we're involved. How many of you have had children, and, and, and when they were young, you would be carrying this big, heavy object, and they want to help? So what do they do, or what do you allow them to do? You allow them to just put their hands on it. But you know what? You're carrying the, the, the weight of the burden. You're carrying the lion's share, if you will. And the, so it is with God. He's our helper, and we give it to him, and we just carry the light end. Jesus carries the heavy end. He carried it on the cross. He'll carry it for you today. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. You can trust in Christ this morning. You can know God is with you. He, you're guaranteed of the victory today. If God is for you, no storm, no crisis, no, no one can be against you. God's presence is with you. His provision is there. You could be in a desert and he'll be the refreshing water to you. You could be hungry today and he will show up as quail to quench the hunger pains of your heart. You could be lonely and depressed and his presence will cheer you. There is no crisis in your life that God hasn't provided a miracle. You know, at the beginning of this shutdown, in the first couple of weeks, as every pastor was concerned, there's no people coming in, that means there's no finances coming in. How do you deal with salaries? How do you deal with buildings? How do you deal with insurances? How do you deal with all that? And, and every pastor had that moment of fright. What do you do? You trust in God. Not that it's easy. And do you know that in the first week or two, from unexpected means, $10,000 came in one check, I believe it was either 6,000 or 5,000, and then several other ones in a short amount of time. What was God saying? I got this. I got this. What is God saying to you this morning? I got this. I got this. Will you trust? Will you cast your care upon him? Will you trust in him? The problem, the crisis, the trial is real, but it's an opportunity for God to show that he is your helper. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I would ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask if our worship team could come back. What I want to do in the last couple of moments as we close is take a couple of moments to do that. You know what the old songwriter said? Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. That takes faith. That takes trust and confidence because what we do is we take our burden to the Lord and we leave it there for 30 seconds. We leave it there for just a moment and we take it back. Why? Because of our own pride and our own flesh. Well, we're going to take care of this. God, we'll, we'll do it our way. We'll, we'll work it out. No. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I want to pray this morning that you will not only know the truth, but you'll experience the truth.
I want to pray this morning that you'll experience his manifest, manifest presence. One touch of his glory. One anointing of his spirit. One quickening of his power. You will be changed. You will be healed. You will be restored. We need to declare some things this morning. The writer of Hebrews said, we, we need to declare, we need to boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I don't know what you think of me or how you understand my, my life, my ministry, but I want you to understand something. I have fears. I have spiritual attacks. I have tribulations just like you do. I do not, you know, get, go home and just, you know, go up to heaven and come back for Wednesday or Sunday or whatever and, uh, you know, don't just have this palatial setting of a life and pristine life. No way, Jose, if you're watching by a live stream. Jose, that is. I have fears to battle every day. Wake up in the morning, battle every day. But you know what I have to do? I have to overcome my mind with my mouth. Some of you need to overcome your thoughts. The paralysis of analysis. Some of you just need to boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord, the psalmist said, Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Some of you are more afraid of COVID than you are of God, fear COVID than you fear God. More afraid of man than you are of God. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said this, don't fear man who could just destroy your body, but rather fear him who after the body is destroyed can destroy the soul. That's a sobering reality in our world where people are all concerned about everything else but God Almighty. God help us. This morning, let's boldly say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my helper. I'm going to get through this trial. Whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's in my finances, whether it's at work. You're carrying a heavy load, but Jesus carries the heavy load. He carries the heavy end of it. Come on, let's do that this morning. Can we worship? Can you take your burden to the Lord where you come? Whether you come forward, whether you're in your seat, just take just a few moments. And I'm going to close in prayer in just three minutes. Let's, let's sing. Let's do it today. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit touches you as you sing. In Jesus' name, amen.